folk, noise, electronics, improvisation. How can radical music help us manifest new possibilities for thinking and imagine new ways of organizing community through ritual behaviors, actions, and languages? You're listening to the Liquid Architecture Podcast. Today, Jasmine Winglin Noing talks through her connection with the Erhu, her compositional practice of working with room resonance, and what to expect from her upcoming performance at Miscellanea on Sunday the 27th of November for Liquid Architecture's Ritual Community Music Series. You can find tickets through the link in our show notes. Jasmine Wing-Yin Loing works with the Erhu within composition, improvisation and installation settings. She is interested in the sonic possibilities of resonance, intonation, hauntings and the environment. Hi, my name is Jasmine Wingenlang. I'm a composer and performer. I feel like I'm still quite early in my practice, but at the moment I feel like I'm really maybe elemental, if that's not too much of a term. Like I'm just really trying to understand, like, what is sound and how does it work and what are the basic principles of it and maybe using this as a way of bridging what could seem as like quite musically different things like Chinese opera with microtonal <laughs> composition and there's actually I think a lot of overlap if you get to the elemental things within both those musics and the things that I find fascinating about both of them. So the Ohu, or in Cantonese, Iwu, is a two-stringed spike fiddle, and it comes from a family of all sorts of spike fiddles. The broad name for it is Hu Chin, so there's some made of coconuts, some that are smaller and have a more nasal sound. The first Ohu I had, I was 14 when um, I went back to Hong Kong for the trip, but I didn't start to take it seriously until I was 19 and I had a performance injury in my left hand so I was banned from playing piano and it was at that point I'd met with my uncle who plays Cantonese opera in Hong Kong as part of a troupe there and he was really keen to impart some of his music knowledge to the younger generation so I just spent a summer learning from him and hanging out with all the old opera folks and getting really into Erhu. I started really traditional, and there's a whole repertoire of classic traditional Erhu music, which I, you know, by that point I was in my early 20s when I was really getting deep into it, and by that point I'd already gone deep into Western (laughs) classical theory, so I was more interested in just playing it for fun and playing it in, like, 
you know, community Chinese orchestras in Australia. And I was just interested in it as another tool, but not interested in being the best Ovi player. really interesting about the ohu is that the strings don't touch the fingerboard so I also played a lot of violin and I'm really interested in intonation and I guess the thing with the ohu is that its whole thing is intonation because it's so flexible and so that I think really paired well with what I was interested in musically also I found it just a really easy instrument to navigate I think I always struggled with committing to like piano or violin properly but oh who just seemed to fit my hands and also like the gestures I was interested in it seemed really possible to articulate with the way this instrument was set up it has a very similar range to the human voice like a alto soprano voice and similar limitations and I like that the bow has the hair between the strings so you're working a lot more with tension and you can bring out such different articulations compared to a violin bow which has got this whole dimension of gravity that you're working against or or with but with this it's pushing and pulling against the strings in a really flexible way and that the bow is so light because it's made from bamboo so you can get really delicate bowings inside it and so that I think was really interesting to me I found it to be super versatile and a great instrument to improvise on because it was so flexible. solo or her stuff I think I can have more control about it but if I'm being invited to write something for a group of people then it's about figuring out what I think is interesting about that orchestration. I guess with the performance practice I have this interest in improvisation which feels totally different to composition. I see them as separate words because I think what's interesting for me, at least, improvisation is when you're playing with other people, and that's where I think where it can get fascinating. Even though I see them as quite different practices, they inform each other. Visually, with how I notate my scores, is that it's often the people who I'm writing for, people who I know and who I work with, and who are interested in playing my music. And so, just out of necessity and practicality, it's like. Okay, so these are people who are maybe not 
professional chamber musicians, but people who have their own improvised practice who are interested in playing composed music. So finding a way to notate my intentions and taking ownership of that process in a way that allows people agency, but still in a way that's really structured the way that looks like for me is almost like maps rather than scores. They're not technically very difficult, but they've probably got a lot of instructions and it's all in the setup. For me, still the sound is is the product and the score is just a means to the sound. And if it happens to look beautiful, then maybe people will engage with it in a different way. But that's probably the extent that <laughs> it goes into it. Most of the music I write is for a certain place and situation and musicians and maybe really difficult to reconstruct. So like for example, I wrote one a few years ago which was for like bagpipes, who two flutes, a guitar. So I don't think you could find that ensemble again. I was studying like room acoustics and not just like normal rooms but like trains or hallways, galleries, showers and coming up with a way to create this language of site-specific harmony and finding what are the resonant frequencies of a space and then building harmonies based off that. And so they're often just by pure virtue of the way sound works, it turns out to be quite interesting like just intonation but using like the axial modes of a space as like the fundamentals of like the one over one for each of these things and then using that to then create the language around the piece so I've got a few different processes the most accurate one is to do a sign sweep or an impulse response so like if you can have access to a huge speaker like take a sweep of the room and then put it through like a spectrogram and then you could find where those resonant nodes are but I also came up with a very simple thing which I use the most now because most of the spaces I work in are square or like a rectangular shaped and then if we're just going to have three harmonic bases so like the length depth width off that I've come up with this It's a pretty massive Excel spreadsheet that I keep adding to and use all the time because it's not tricky math, but it just has a few functions in there that you can then generate depending on the temperature of the day and the humidity. And then I just use like one of those laser measurement devices from Bunnings and you can then create pretty accurately, not exactly, but you can then use your ear to adjust how many ever hertz you need to, but you can find what the resonant frequencies of those spaces are. And then I would do things like, you know, map those frequencies into max so I can play them with oscillators so they're purely in the space or you can have them in your headphones so you can tune as you play in the space. I feel like because I'm so interested in harmony, it makes total sense to 
adapt your harmony to the places that you play in. Just intonation is intonation that's based off the natural frequencies or the natural resonance of how a string works when it's vibrating. So people are drawn to it, I think, because it's such a natural sound. So if you tuned a scale based off the harmonic series, the 12 notes wouldn't be equally divided. And that's what just intonation is. But because of the piano, because of just for purely practical reasons, we divide the octave equally now into 12 tones. And I feel like there's a lot of good things that can be done with these 12 tones. And I'm by no means like a J.I. fanatic or purist, but I just think it's useful to realise that there's so many more colours beyond the 12 divisions of an octave that you can get. And I think there's a lot of beautiful, interesting things you can do with intonation if you work with the natural resonances, these natural sounds. If anyone's ever heard a string orchestra tuning, that's probably the best example of hearing the beatings then slowly fade into like nothing until the sounds almost kind of blend into each other and you don't know if you're playing or someone else's and I feel like that for me is what just intonation is. I have a weekly like just intonation group and we just get together and try and play to the hundredth of a semitone <laughs> and it's it's really fun. drain piece it was really amazing playing in that space because you could move around it so much so just by like walking up and down the space and with with another player because it's super long so the length of it is actually kind of impossible to hear so by doubling it you're still activating those same tones so it kind of unveils these hidden things so we had the sign tones in the middle and then there was myself and another string player moving through the space playing. It was incredible hearing the sounds echo off each other and not knowing if it was an echo of yourself playing or if it was your friend playing that note and it all like seamlessly matching. And I guess the discovery in that piece was using tuning our strings to the resonant frequencies of the space so we could just play open harmonics like natural harmonics because then they would always be precisely in tune it was really magical I really love when you have two high frequencies and they're just one cent off and so it's almost impossible to hear that they're like two strings because at a distance it sounds just like one or like one string of sound but they kind of rub off each other in a way that's really like glistens and I think that's beautiful and I also really love the sounds of lots and lots of bowed strings trying to play in tune but not quite reaching it and then you get all these crazy beatings that shimmer around the room I think that harmony can be rhythmic when you listen really closely if it does become a rhythm I think that's really fascinating
So I'm going to set up a drone with a zither that I'm working on tuning. I'll create a microtonal tuning zither that will then slowly move, and I'll be playing it with these DC motors that I can attach wool to with rosin on it so they play like lots of little tiny violins as they play and because they lightly touch the string it activates all the upper harmonics of the string so you create these shimmering clouds that move and then I'll use that as like a bed which I'll also tune my ohud and then just play with those sounds and hear those different sensations of the tone and the different clashings and beatings and when they form one big sound that's kind of almost all resonating in this really beautiful way. It's hard to describe, but I'm working on that. I might actually do something with measuring what are the resonant frequencies of the chamber of my instrument and playing to that instead. So rather than the room being like the, the resonating body, the ohu is, and the zither is like an extension of the ohu because it's tuned to its internal chamber. Jasmine Wingyan Loing will perform at Miscellanea on Sunday the 27th of November, alongside a live set from Senyawa for Liquid Architecture's Ritual Community Music Series. You can find tickets through the link in our show notes. This podcast was produced by Mara Schrepfeger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognise that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organisation for artists working with sound and listening. You can support our podcast and online journal Disclaimer through a Patreon subscription for as little as $5 a month. Find the link in our show notes.